I want to start by thanking Jake Goss for doing such a fantastic job preaching God's Word last Sunday. I know you were blessed by God through Jake and the words that God spoke through him. If you have your Bibles, open them with me to Judges chapter 14. We are continuing in our heroes study. We are studying some of the heroes of the Old Testament, men and women whose names are enshrined in God's hall of faith in Hebrews chapter 11. God is teaching us, encouraging us, and challenging us through the example of our Old Testament friend, Samson. Samson was quite the character. So very strong, yet so very weak. Ray Pritchard, a Bible scholar and pastor, said this about Samson. Samson's story is one of the most amazing perplexing, contradictory bafflements in all the Bible. He should have been a godly man, but he wasn't. He shouldn't have been in Hebrews chapter 11, but he was. Samson was used by God in amazing ways. Samson's faith in God had many flaws, and yet God still used him in amazing ways, to fulfill the purposes that God had for Samson and for the people of Israel, uh, his people, the Israelites. And so we're going to continue our study of Samson this morning. Uh, Let's review what we have learned from God so far about Samson, and we'll continue moving forward in this passage, in this narrative, in this account of Samson and what God has for us this morning. We know, number one, Samson was a man of faith in God. Samson is inducted into God's hall of faith in Hebrews chapter 11, so we know he was a man of faith in God. Samson, secondly, was a Nazarite. Samson was... uh, consecrated, dedicated, separated to God from birth to fulfill the purposes that God had for him. Third, Samson was a judge of Israel. God's purposes for Samson was to use Samson as a judge of Israel to begin to save Israel from the power of the Philistines. We see the fourth point about Samson was Samson was blessed by God. He was blessed by God. And in Judges 13, verse 24, says, So the man gave birth to a son, uh, the woman gave birth to a son and named him Samson. The boy grew and the Lord blessed him. Say that with me. The Lord blessed him. God blessed Samson in every way. God blessed Samson by equipping Samson to do everything that he was going to call him to do. God blessed Samson in every way with everything he would need to fulfill his calling on Samson. And likewise this morning, we all know today, as followers of Jesus Christ, we have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. And we know, as sure as we are here this morning, that God equips us to do all that he calls us to do. We see this in Samson's life, in many others in the word of God, and we see this in our life as well. Fifth point we know is Samson's struggle to obey God. He struggled to obey God. We see the first sign of struggle in Judges 14, beginning in verse 1. Samson went down to Timnah and saw a young Philistine woman there. He went back and told his father and mother, I have seen a young Philistine woman in Timnah. Now get her for me as a wife. But his father and mother said to him, can't you find a young woman among your relatives or among any of our people? Must you go to the uncircumcised Philistines for a wife? 
Samson told his father, get her for me because I want her. Samson disobeyed God in his desire for a Philistine wife and in disrespecting and disobeying his parents, Mr. Manoah and Miss Manoah. His parents reminded him, reminded Samson of God's prohibition on the Israelites from intermarrying with the pagan nations around them. Samson ignored God's warning and Samson ignored his parents' warning because Samson was focused on pleasing Samson. That's where he wanted to be, that's what he wanted to do, and that's exactly what we find him doing here in this passage. We also know, the sixth point, is Samson was strengthened by God. We know that Samson was strengthened by God. In verse 25 of Judges 13, then the Lord, the Spirit of the Lord began to direct him in the camp of Dan between Zorah and Eshtaol. Scripture here says, then the Spirit of the Lord began to direct him. Direct means to impel, to push, to urge, to move him at times. What was going on here? It's real simple. The Spirit of the Lord began moving Samson, urging Samson, directing Samson to fulfill his purposes for Samson. And as we have seen and will continue to see this morning, though Samson was out of control, God was most certainly in control. Almighty God was in control. We see in verse 4 as we continue. Now, his father and mother did not know this was from the Lord, who was seeking an occasion against the Philistines. At that time, the Philistines were ruling over Israel. So we see that Samson's parents did not realize, they didn't understand at this point, in verse 4, at this point, that Samson's desire to marry a young Philistine woman was from the Lord. Scripture says that God was seeking an occasion against the Philistines. What was going on here? Well, what was going on in verse 4 is simply this. God, Almighty God, convinced Samson's parents that his purpose, his plan, his calling on Samson would prevail in spite of Samson's sin in disobedience. God's purpose would prevail in spite of Samson's sin and disobedience. That is the reason why his parents, who were against Samson going to Timnah, we see in verse 5, join him in going to Timnah. In verse 5, Samson went down to Timnah with his father and mother and came to the vineyards of Timnah. Suddenly a young lion came roaring at him. Samson's parents went with Samson to Timnah because God is a sovereign God, because God is in control, because God convinced them that his purposes in calling on Samson would prevail. Verse 4 here is an illustration of the mystery of the sovereignty of God and human responsibility, human freedom, a mystery we will never fully grasp with our finite minds here on this side of heaven. It's a mystery that we explored a couple of weeks ago in our sermon that we focused and spent the majority of our time here on verse 4 and verse 5. 
I want to just summarize it to tell you this, as followers of Jesus Christ, we all understand this. The sovereignty of God is a great blessing for us. The sovereignty of God is a great comfort for us. The sovereignty of God is a great encouragement for us as children of God. And we know we can rest in the assurance that God's purpose for us will prevail Because our God is the sovereign God. Our God is in control. And what a great truth that is for you and for me. And we see it play out in the life and the testimony and the example of Samson here. And now we see the seventh point about Samson. We'll spend a little bit more time focusing on this morning. That was simply this. Samson was strengthened by God. Samson was strengthened by God. Let's look and we're going to pick back up in verse 5. And in verse 6, Samson went down to Timnah with his father and mother and came to the vineyards of Timnah. Suddenly, a young lion came roaring at him. Spirit of the Lord took control of him, that being Samson, and he tore the lion apart with his bare hands as he might have torn a young goat. But he did not tell his father or mother what he had done. Samson was strengthened by God to kill the young lion that came roaring at him, which is obvious in this passage, which is also very similar to how God strengthened David, if you remember. God strengthened David to kill the lions and the bears with his hands, just like he strengthened Samson to kill the roaring young lion with his hands. God had strengthened David with his hands to kill the lions and the bears as David was shepherding his flocks. God strengthened Samson because God had plans for Samson. Notice, God strengthened Samson even though Samson was walking in sin and disobedience to God. God strengthened Samson even though Samson was not truly and wholeheartedly walking with God. And we see three points, three truths about sin from Samson in this passage. Three truths about sin that we can see here in this passage that were true of Samson, true of us, that we need to be aware of. The first is simply this, sin takes us down. Sin takes us down. Samson went down to Timnah. Samson went down into the vineyards off the main road. If you look in this passage, you'll see that the young lion came roaring at him, Samson, not them, Samson and his parents. Why? Because Samson had left his parents on the main road. Samson went in to the vineyards. Scripture tells us Samson didn't tell his parents what had happened In part, because Samson wasn't there with his parents. Why? Because Samson had left his parents and had gone in to the vineyards. Sin, Samson's sin, led him away from his obedience to God. Samson's sin led him down and away from his obedience to God. Samson's sin led him down and away from the encouragement, the protection, the support, the accountability of his parents. Samson was alone at this point. Samson was going his way, which was the wrong way. 
And we know and understand that that what happened to Samson can happen to us as well. Sin takes us down. You know this as well as I do. Sin takes us down, away from our obedience to God. Sin will take us down, away from the accountability, the encouragement, the support of our brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. We know and understand and realize, and I know you realize this from the Word of God, we have a young, we have a, just as Samson had a young roaring lion coming after him, we have a roaring lion that comes after us. We know this. Scripture says that the roaring lion is prowling around us. Our enemy Satan is like a roaring lion. He prowls around us looking for the opportunity to devour us. Peter told us about this. And so we have to be on guard. Samson at this point in time wasn't on guard. Sin takes us down. Secondly, sin leads us to more sin. Sin leads us to more sin. Samson went into the vineyards, which led him to face more temptation. Why? Because one of the Nazarite vows that Samson took was that he was not to drink wine, alcohol, grape juice, eat any fresh grapes, raisins, or anything produced by the vine. Where did he go? He went into the vineyards. Right into more temptation. Samson, Scripture says, tore the young lion apart with his bare hands as if he would have torn a young goat, which put him into contact with the carcass of the dead lion. Some scholars believe that this is an example of Samson violating another one of his Nazarite vows, which was don't go near a dead body, because he obviously came into contact and touched the carcass of the dead lion and they point to the fact that he did not tell his parents what had happened when he killed the young lion and then when he went back a second time and scooped honey from the from the carcass of the lion and gave some for his parents to eat he didn't tell his parents what had happened so scholars believe this is indicative of a guilty conscience we know samson violated his nazarite vow not to go near or touch a dead body because later in chapter 14 Samson killed 30 men from Ashkelon and he stripped them of their clothing therefore coming into contact with their dead bodies because he had to pay up for the 30 groomsmen at his wedding feast who solved his riddle and the payoff was he had to give them 30 linen garments and 30 new sets of clothes so he came into contact with the dead bodies of those 30 Philistines, we know. More than likely, Samson violated the Nazarite vow not to drink any wine or alcoholic beverage because Samson threw a week-long wedding feast for his family and friends, which was traditionally accompanied by the drinking of wine. So we see sin not only takes us down, but sin leads us to more sin. Scripture tells us all Satan wants is a foothold. Why does he just simply want a little foothold? Because if he can get that little foothold, he's going to expand it into a stronghold. When we give into one area of sin, we become much more susceptible to give into another area of sin. When we slip in one area, we think to ourselves, because Satan lies to us and says, well, you did it once, you might as well do it again. 
You did it once. Nothing's really happened, so why not go ahead and do it again? And we become more and more susceptible. When we start to walk away from God, remember the slippery slope always goes where? Down. The slippery slope never leads us to God. The slippery slope of of sin leads us away from God. And we become more and more susceptible, which we see happening with Samson. His sin was taking him down. Sin was leading him to more sin and the temptation to other sins. We also know, number three, sin is expensive. Sin always comes with a cost. The cost of Samson's sin was severe. It cost Samson his witness. It cost Samson his strength. It cost Samson his eyes. It cost Samson his life. And sin comes with a cost to us, right? We know this. I hope we know this. And the cost is often expensive. It's like what one pastor said years ago. Sin will take you farther than you want to go. It'll keep you longer than you want to stay. And it'll cost you more than you want to pay. And so we're beginning to see this with Samson. Samson's sin, the ultimate end of his sin was death. When Samson died with the 3,000 Philistines in the temple area, When in his last act of faith, he pressed against the columns in the temple area and the temple collapsed, not only on Samson, but on the 3,000 Philistines. Thankfully, we know Samson won the victory over sin and death because of his faith and trust in God. He was a man of faith in God. And so we understand and acknowledge In our own lives, we must be aware, we must be careful, because sin can take us down away from our obedience to God and the plan of God for our lives. Sin can lead us to more sin. It can uh, deaden our senses, and we begin to be more and more susceptible to more sins. Once we do it once, it's easier to do it again and again and again, and we open up our Lives in one area, and then Satan starts moving into all kinds of different areas. And then we understand and realize the sin is costly. Sin is expensive. And so we understand and realize we are victors over sin by God's grace through our faith in Christ Jesus. Praise God, we are victors in Christ Jesus. We are victors in Christ Jesus. That's a hallelujah point. Say hallelujah. We are victors in Christ Jesus, and we know this, and yet we must be alert and aware. And so we see Samson was strengthened by God in the midst of all of this. We're going to look at this. He was strengthened by God to fulfill the purposes of God. Scripture tells us the Spirit of the Lord came and took control of Samson. The Spirit of the Lord took control of him. We see this throughout this passage. The Spirit of the Lord took control of him. That means the Spirit of God came mightily upon Samson. The Spirit of God rushed upon Samson. The Spirit of God broke forth from Samson. And so we're going to see this play out as we realize and understand Samson was going his way, which was the wrong way. We still see the power of God at work. We still see the presence of God at work. And God strengthened Samson so he could fulfill the purposes he had for Samson. God strengthened Samson so Samson could do God's work, even though it may have been reluctantly. 
He was still strengthening Samson. So I want you to see three occasions. There's three occasions in this passage where we find that God specifically strengthened Samson. Now, he's clearly strengthened Samson in other ways, in other areas in, the pa- in this story. But there are three areas where we read specifically this happened. And so it's important for us to identify and acknowledge these three occasions. Number one, the first occasion was Samson and the young lion. Samson and the young lion. The scripture tells us, we've already read it in verse 5 and verse 6, then the spirit of the Lord took control of him. That means God strengthened Samson so that he was able to kill the young lion. God strengthened Samson, follow me, at this point, So that he was able to kill the young lion with his bare hands because God was going to fulfill his purposes for Samson, which was to use Samson as a judge of Israel to begin to save Israel from the power of the Philistines. And Samson couldn't fulfill his calling if he was the lion's dinner. He couldn't do it. A dead Samson would have been useless at this point. And so what did God do? Because of God's purposes for Samson, God strengthened Samson. Spirit of the Lord took control of Samson. Why? Because God's purpose for Samson to begin to save Israel from the power of the Philistines was going to prevail. That was going to prevail. Second occasion was Samson and the 30 Philistines. Samson and the 30 Philistines. Now follow me, I'm going to summarize this. Uh, for you. It's there in the passage. Scholars tell us that uh, weddings at this time and in this day, when Samson's day, weddings, this is how weddings happened. Uh, The uh, man and the woman would agree to marry one another. This agreement was most often brokered by the parents of the man and the woman. And so the parents would get together. The parents determined who was going to marry whom. And so the parents would get together and they would say, uh, I want my son to marry your daughter. And the other parent would say, I want my daughter to marry your son. And they would make this agreement uh, for this marriage to take place between the son and the daughter. Once the agreement was brokered, once it was in place, then what would happen is they would enter into a six-month to a year-long betrothal period. Uh, it was such like, it was, it's like our engagement period, except a whole lot more uh, specific, and uh, there's, a, there's a little bit more that goes on there, and it's intense, and so they go into this betrothal period. At the end of the betrothal period, what happens is the groom and his family, they throw a wedding feast. It's a week-long wedding feast. And they throw the wedding feast for family and friends. And after the week-long wedding feast is over, then the actual wedding takes place. And so as we continue in the passage, we find that Samson threw a week-long wedding feast for his family and friends. And it was at the beginning of this wedding feast uh, that he was looking forward to marrying this young Philistine woman whom he saw, he loved, and he said, go get her for me, you know, the romantic that he was. And so it's at the beginning of the wedding feast and the Philistines bring 30 men uh, to accompany Samson. The scripture says the Philistines brought 30 men to accompany Samson. They were his groomsmen. And these 30 men, these 30 groomsmen came to the wedding feast and they were there to honor Samson. They were there to pay the respects for Samson. They were there to support Samson because he was getting ready to get married. But in this situation, they were also there to keep an eye on Samson because Samson was not a Philistine. 
And they were keeping an eye on Samson. They had scoped Samson out. They knew he was a man of a very impressive stature. They had scoped him out. It was there at the wedding feast at the beginning that Samson decided, I'm going to have a little bit of fun. And he proposed a riddle to these 30 groomsmen. He said, listen, I'm going to give you a riddle. And if you can figure this riddle out before the end of the wedding feast, then I will give you 30 linen garments and 30 sets of clothes. But if you cannot figure out my riddle, if you can't give me the answer to my riddle during my wedding feast, then you will give me 30 linen garments and 30 sets of clothes. Somebody's closet and wardrobe was getting an upgrade. That's the basic idea. Somebody was getting an upgrade and uh, we look in the scriptures and we find day one passes, day two passes, day three passes, and these 30 guys cannot figure it out. They can't figure out the riddle. Day four, they go to Samson's bride and they say, hey, listen, here's the deal. You need to go to Samson and you need to get the answer to the riddle from him for us, and then you need to come tell us the answer to the riddle so we can tell him the answer to the riddle so we can get the upgrade to our closets. You need to get that for us. Or we are going to kill you and your family. These were nice guys, encouragers, real, real sweet guys. That's why they were chosen, you know, just great guys, the gift of mercy and encouragement, compassion. They said, we're going to kill you and your family if you don't. Samson's bride goes to Samson, and she knows what to do. Whoo, man. This lady may have been young, but she was wise. She knew what to do. You're wondering, what did she do? She cried. And she cried. And she cried. And she nagged. And she nagged Samson. And the scripture says she even said this. Samson, you don't love me because you've not told me the answer to the riddle. And it worked. It worked. Samson's weakness was obvious to everyone except Samson. Except Samson. He told her the answer to the riddle. She went back to the groomsmen, told the groomsmen the answer to the riddle. They came to him and they told him the answer. And he had to pay up. He knew he had to pay up. He had to give them the linen garments and the sets of clothes. Judges 14 and verse 19. Here we go. The spirit of the Lord took control of him. Example number two. Spirit of the Lord took control of him. And he, Samson, went down to Ashkelon and killed 30 of their men. He stripped them and gave their clothes to those who had explained the riddle. In a rage, Samson returned to his father's house. God strengthened Samson to fulfill the purposes he had for Samson, which was to begin to save Israel from the power of the Philistines. And so he did just that. He strengthened him to fulfill his purpose for him. God used Samson in his rage and his anger at his bride for tricking him to execute his righteous judgment on the Philistines. 
God's sovereign and in control. His purpose was moving forward. He used Samson's anger and rage in his purpose and plan to execute his, almighty God's, righteous judgment against the Philistines. Example number three is Samson and the thousand Philistines. Now follow with me. Samson, at last sight, he's leaving in a rage to go to his father's house. The story continues, and Samson goes back to Timnah. He went back to his father's house in Zorah. Then he goes back to Timnah, and he's going back because he wants to see his wife. And he wants to get back together with his wife. And when he gets to Timnah, and he's looking for his wife, and he wants to get back together with his wife, he finds out that his father-in-law had given her hand in marriage to another man while he was gone because he thought Samson hated her because of the trick she played on him. And so when he went back, he realized that his wife had been given to another man in marriage and he became irate. Well, his father-in-law immediately then said to Samson, hey, Samson, I can give you my younger daughter. She's more attractive than the older daughter. It's in scripture. I'm not making that up. I wouldn't do that. I'm not making it up. It's literally what the man said. I'll give you the hand of my younger daughter. She's more attractive than the older one. And Samson was so angry that he got 300 foxes together. He tied their tails together. He put a torch in the middle of their, in the middle of their tails and he set them loose into the grain fields of Philistines. And the Philistines' grain fields were burned. Their olive groves were burned. Their vineyards were burned. Everything burned. Philistines realized what had happened and they got angry and they said, what is going on? What happened? And they were told, well, it was Samson and he did this because his father-in-law took his wife and gave her to another man in marriage while he was gone and he was angry about that. So the Philistines went and they executed Samson's father-in-law and his first wife. They executed them because they were angry with them for doing what they did to Samson, which caused Samson to do what he did to the grain fields, vineyards, and olive groves. So Samson gets irate again. Starting to see a pattern, aren't we? Samson's irate again. And Samson says, I am going to execute those who executed my father-in-law and my first wife. And he did just that. He took them out. Again, God's purposes were moving forward. He took them out in an amazing, amazing way. We see the hand of God at work here with these Philistines amazing. And then we get down as he took them out. They then, the rest of the Philistines got together and they decided they themselves now had to go get Samson. After Samson took out the ones who had killed his father-in-law and his first wife, he retreated and he went down into a cave in Etam. 
And he's in this cave in Etam. And so the Philistines find out that this has happened, and this time they're going after Samson. They're not going after anybody else this time. They're going after Samson. And so they get together, and they go, and they raid. They leave Philistine territory, and they raid Lehi. Lehi was a town, an Israelite town, that had been given in the allotment to the tribe of Judah. It was a Judah town. And so they come, and they raid Lehi. They come in, and they begin to raid the the men of Judah, and they're laying siege to the men of Judah and the men of Judah come out to the Philistines and say, whoa, 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 what's going on? What are you guys doing? What's happened? What did we do? You guys are ruling over us. We didn't do anything. And they then get together with the men of Judah and they say, listen, we've come for Samson because of what Samson's done. And they explain what Samson did. And the men of Judah said, ho, 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 hold up. We'll go get him for you. We'll get him for you. So 3,000 men from Judah Go! You, Samson's getting quite the reputation. There's not one or two. Three thousand went and they found Samson. And they said, Samson, what are you doing to us? The Philistines are attacking us. They rule over us. What are you doing? Getting us into so all kind of trouble. They said, we're taking you back. And Samson said, whoa, whoa, whoa. He said, make sure you, you promise me you're not going to kill me. You promise me you're not going to kill me. And they said, no, we're not going to kill you, but we're going to bind your hands We're going to tie your hands behind your back and we're going to take you back to Lehi and we're going to give you to the Philistines because they want to kill you. Samson is like, okay, tie away. Tied his hands and they led Samson back to Lehi. Judges 15, verse 14 and 15. When he came to Lehi, the Philistines came to meet him shouting. Get that scene in your eyes and your mind. They're screaming, shouting, running. They're coming after him. The Spirit of the Lord took control of him. There it is again. Spirit of the Lord took control of him. Third time. And the ropes were on his arms, became like burnt flax. And his bonds fell off his wrists. Uh oh. He found a fresh jawbone of a donkey, reached out his hand, took it, and killed a thousand men with it. Samson took out a thousand men as the army is just standing there watching. God strengthened Samson so that Samson could fulfill the purposes God had for Samson, which was to begin to save Israel from the power of the Philistines. God chose and used one man, Samson, in his work against the many men of the Philistine army. He didn't use Israel's army as he's used with the other judges. He used one man, Samson. This was the perfect platform for God to fulfill his purposes for Samson, to show his power through Samson, and to execute his holy and righteous judgment on the Philistines. And that's exactly what God did through Samson. The Spirit of the Lord took control of him on three distinct, different occasions. And on each occasion, the purpose of the Lord was continuing to be fulfilled through Samson. So the question is, why did Samson get strengthened by the Lord in these ways at these times? Why did God strengthen Samson? 
Well, the reason God strengthens Samson is really the same reason God strengthens us. Why did God strengthen Samson? Well, God strengthened Samson for the same reasons he strengthens you and me. So now the question is, why does God strengthen us? And this day, this week, God wants us to take these application points and put them into practice in our lives that we see from this passage. Again, we, all, we always are called to live what we learn. We listen to the word and then we do what it says. And so we can see these simple steps that we can put into practice as we see here unfolding in Samson's life. Why does God strengthen us? Number one, God strengthens us to protect us. God strengthens Samson to protect Samson from the lion and from the Philistine army. And listen, God strengthens us to protect us more than we ever see, know, understand, or acknowledge. We, more than we ever recognize. Almighty God protects you, and Almighty God protects me. He strengthens us to protect us when we don't even realize it, see it, or understand it. Solomon said, the name of the Lord, the name of Yahweh, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and are protected. They are safe. The scriptures teach us that the Lord God Almighty, He is our help. He is our defender. He is our protector. The Lord watches over our coming and going, both now and forever. The Lord God is our refuge. The Lord God is our shield. The Lord God is our shelter. The Lord God is our stronghold in times of difficulty and in times of trouble. And we know and understand when we realize that the Lord protects us, it helps us to live by faith and not in fear. When we understand the Lord protects us, it helps us to walk in courage and confidence, not in discouragement and fear. We understand and realize that the Lord strengthens us because he wants to protect us. Why? Because he's got a purpose and plan for for us and his purpose and his plan for us will prevail because he is a sovereign and almighty God and he wants to protect us and he protects us day by day, step by step, moment by moment. And when we understand the protection of the Lord, we understand and realize that we can walk in victory day by day. We have the blessing of joining God in his work. It's an unbelievable blessing for you and for me. We also know God strengthens us because God uses us. God strengthens us to use us. God strengthens Samson because God was using Samson. God was using Samson to fulfill his purposes for Samson. God strengthened Samson because God was using Samson to save Israel from the power of the Philistines. God was using Samson because God was helping by using Samson to turn the Israelites back to God. God was using Samson to bless the Israelites. God strengthened Samson because God was using Samson. He was protecting Samson, but he was also using Samson in an amazing way to benefit and to bless not just Samson, but the nation of Israel. And God strengthens us because God is using us. God is using you, and God is using me to help others come to know Jesus and grow in Jesus and go for Jesus. God is using us to be his witnesses to those he places around us. God is using us to be his hands and feet to those he places around us. God is using us to bless others and to comfort others who are in need of comfort in the affliction that they're in. And we have the comfort 
comfort that we've received from God in our affliction. And we need to use that as we help comfort those who need that comfort in their affliction. God uses us to bless others, to comfort others, to encourage others, to forgive others, to help others, to show grace to others, to love others, to minister to others. God is using you and God is using me. God is sovereign. He is in control. He was using Samson and Samson wasn't even aware of it and he wasn't going with the Lord as much as he should have. Imagine when we are walking with the Lord and obedience to the Lord, we know, see, and understand that God is using us. And I want you to know here this morning, God is using you. God is using me. He would not have brought you to this point. He would not have uh, made it uh, uh, possible for you to get to this point this morning so that you could hear these words if he wasn't using you. What he wants you to understand is God is strengthening you because he's using you and God is strengthening you because you and I cannot fulfill his call on our life in our ability, strength, and wisdom. We can't. We cannot fulfill his call in our ability, strength, and wisdom. It's not going to work. His purpose will prevail, but we'll miss the blessing. We must rely on his strength, which leads us to the the third point. God strengthens us to teach us. He's not just wanting to protect us. He's not just wanting to use us. He's wanting to teach us. God strengthens us to teach us. God strengthened Samson to teach Samson that he would be able to do everything God asked him to do in God's strength. He strengthened Samson to teach Samson that Samson could defeat his enemies in God's strength. That Samson could resist the temptations of Satan in God's strength. That Samson could deliver Israel from the power of the Philistines in God's strength. Samson knew this. He understood this. God was making this clear. God strengthened Samson to teach Samson to draw near to him and to depend on him because his way is always best. God was strengthening Samson every single time. He was strengthening Samson, but reason was he was protecting him. He was using him, but he wanted to teach him, trust in me, Samson. Depend on me. You can do all that you want to do. I'm going to bless you because that's the kind of God I am. If you will simply trust in me, depend on me, draw near to me, my way is best. He was continually encouraging Samson that his way is best. And listen, understand this morning, God strengthens you and me to teach us. God strengthens us to teach us that we can do everything God asks us to do. We can do everything that God calls us to do in his strength. We can be his witnesses in his strength. We can help others come to know Jesus and grow in Jesus and go for Jesus in his strength. We can be his hands and feet in his strength. We can bless others. We can love others. We can encourage others. We can forgive others. We can minister to others. We can comfort others in his strength. We can seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness in his strength. We can and be fishers of men, women, boys, and girls in his strength. We can let our light shine before men so they see our good deeds and give glory to our Father in heaven in his strength. We can walk as children of light in his strength. We 
can live as wise, not as unwise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. In His strength, we can understand what the Lord's will is and we can do what the Lord's will is in His strength. We can walk worthy of the calling that we have received from God in Christ Jesus, in His strength. We can walk in the victory that is ours in Christ Jesus, in His strength. We can love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength in His strength. We can love our neighbors, ourselves in His strength. We can love what God is doing in our lives. We can love who God has created us to be in His strength. We can say no to the lies of the enemy in His strength. We can resist His discouragement from the lies of the pit of hell in His strength. We can think the way God wants us to think and we can feel the way God wants us to feel and we can live the way God wants us to live in His strength. You see, we can do all things through Christ Jesus who is our strength. He's our strength. God strengthens us to teach us to draw near to Him, to depend on Him. Because His way is best. It's best. I want you to understand, and this may just be for somebody, the Lord speaking. God strengthens us in spite of us. Gideon was hiding in a wine vat. Strengthen him. Elisha was sitting under a tree. He wanted his life to end. God strengthened. Samson was walking in disobedience to God. God strengthened him. Jonah was running from the Lord. God strengthened him. Peter denied Jesus three times. God strengthened him. Saul was killing Christians. God strengthened him. Gave him a different name. You see, God strengthens us in spite of us. And what happens so often is the enemy lies to us and convinces us that we are worthless, that we don't know enough, we can't do enough, we're not strong enough, we're not enough, and it's a lie from the pit of hell. It leads us to discouragement and despair and defeat. And Almighty God says to us once again today, I am your strength. I am the great I am. Whatever you need, I am. 
You need comfort. I'm that. You need hope. I'm that. You need strength. I'm that. You need wisdom. I'm that. You need help. I'm that. You need understanding. I'm that. You need truth. I'm that. You need someone with you. You're lonely. I'm that. I'm your present help. I am with you. I am the great I am. Amen. Give God a hand. I don't know what all God's doing, but he's doing a work in each of us. And each one of us are facing something or someone this week. Each one of us are facing someone or something today. I don't know what that is. I don't, but I know Almighty God does. And what he is saying is, will you please, please, my son, please, my daughter, draw near to me. Depend on me. Because I, the Lord God, will be your strength. That's what God desires for us this morning. Let me ask you to bow in prayer. Our worship team is going to come.